Welcome to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today, we have a micro dot for you. That's right. Last week, we did the sum of all fears, which started, as David Mamet described it, the dumb Jews losing a nuclear weapon. <laughs> so this week, we are doing Broken Arrows, not the okay. movie Broken Arrow, oh, starring well, Christian Slater. Oh, now I'm disappointed. <laughs> I suppose we could do the movie later, but for now, we're just talking about Broken Arrow incidents. All right. So according to Wikipedia, a Broken Arrow refers to any accidental event that involves weapons, warheads, or components that does not create a risk of nuclear war. That will happen next week. We'll get into that. So Broken Arrows can include accidental or unexplained detonation, non-nuclear detonation or burning of a nuclear weapon, radioactive contamination, loss in transit of a nuclear asset, which is what happened in the movie, jettisoning of a nuclear weapon, also in the movie, or any other kind of public hazard. So just to take one example, National Geographic has an article, remembering the night two atomic bombs fell on North Carolina. Oh, what? That's right. January 1961, just before midnight, 17-year-old Billy Reeves's wall started to glow red. He ran out of his family's farmhouse just in time to see a flaming B-52 bomber with one wing missing plunge from the sky and plow into a field a quarter mile away from his house. Oh, crap. He's 78 today. He was telling his story. A military chopper was deployed within an hour and ordered everyone to evacuate the area. They knew the wreckage contained two 3.8 megaton thermonuclear atomic bombs. And each contained more firepower than the combined destructive force of every explosion caused by humans from the beginning of time to the end of World War II. Holy crap. Yes, you thought that bomb and help was big? (laughs) For those of you who haven't seen help, there's a bomb that contains all the ordnance fired in World War II. So the bomber came from the Seymour Johnson Air Force Base near Goldsboro, North Carolina. It was part of Operation Chrome Dome. Are you familiar with this? I am not. So Operation Chrome Dome is the creation of a nuclear triad. Okay. It's a doomsday program. It keeps multiple B-52 bombers in the air throughout the Northern Hemisphere, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and each plane carried two atomic bombs. Oh, okay. So the idea is if the Soviets nuked us, there would be planes in the air that they couldn't possibly get. Right. So they would act as deterrents. So what caused the accident? The crew detected a leak during aerial refueling. They mm-hmm. were told to hold pattern until the majority of fuel was gone. But when they got there, they found the leak had gotten worse, and they ran out of fuel on the way back to base. Oh, Five men landed safely after ejecting or bailing out through a hatch. One did not survive his parachute landing, and two died in the crash. Ooh, okay. The third pilot of the bomber, Lieutenant Adam Maddox, is the only person known to have successfully bailed out of the top hatch of a B-52 without the use of an injector seat. Oh, wow. So that's a little bit interesting. Hmm? The first bomb that descended by parachute was found intact and standing upright vertically because mm-hmm. this parachute was caught in a tree. Lieutenant uh-huh. Jack Ravel, the bomb disposal expert responsible for disarming it, said the armed versus safe switch mm-hmm. was still in the safe position, but it oh, had good. completed the rest of the arming sequence. Oh, crap. So it was one switch away from going off. Oh, man. The second bomb plunged into a muddy field at about 700 miles per hour and disintegrated. Oh, what? Yeah, it basically it fell apart. 
Oh, but it's okay. con- yeah, but its conventional explosives did not detonate. Okay. The bomb was partially armed, but an unclosed high-voltage switch prevented it from fully arming. Mm-hmm. And Ravel said, until my death, I will never forget hearing the sergeant say, Lieutenant, we found the arm safe switch. And I said, great. And he said, not great. It's on arm. Oh. So both of them came close to detonating. Jones said, one simple dynamo technology, low voltage switch stood between the United States and a major catastrophe. However, this has been disputed later. Okay. Here's another story for you. NPR, for 50 years, nuclear bomb lost in watery grave. What? This is a reference to the 1958 Tybee Island incident. Okay. February 5th, 1958, a B-47 bomber is on a training mission carrying a single 7,600-pound bomb. At 2 a.m., a fighter jet pilot named Lieutenant Clarence Stewart didn't see the bomber on his radar and descended directly onto it. Oh. The impact ripped the left wing off the fighter, heavily damaged the fuel tanks of the B-47. The damaged B-47 remained airborne, plummeted 18,000 feet before the pilot could regain control. The crew requested permission to jettison the bomb in order to reduce weight. It was jettisoned at 7,200 feet. Richardson landed the plane. Nobody was killed. The Navy searched for the bomb for more than two months, but never found it. And today no. recommends that it should remain in its resting place wherever that is. Gotcha. In a 2001 report on the search and recovery of the bomb, the Air Force said that if it was still intact, the risk associated with the spread of its heavy metal components is low. If left undisturbed, the explosives should also pose no hazard. However, an intact explosion would pose a serious explosion hazard if disturbed by a recovery attempt. In 2004, retired Air Force pilot Derek Duke detected high radiation in shallow water off the coast of Savannah. Government officials investigated and concluded that the radiation readings were normal. So the nuclear bomb is still out there, (laughs) theoretically. So then finally, our final story of this microdot, 17 January 1966, another B-52 carrying four thermonuclear bombs as part of Operation Chrome Dome collided with a KC-135 tanker during mid-air refueling over the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Spain. Hmm. This was at 31,000 feet. It was The tanker was destroyed when its fuel load ignited, killing all four crew members immediately. Oh. Four of the crew, seven crew members of the bomber managed to parachute to safety. The other three surviving crew members landed out to sea. Captain Buchanan, the captain of the plane, received burns from the explosion, was not able to separate himself from the ejection seat, but was able to open his parachute and survive. Hmm. Three of the weapons were located on land within 24 hours of the accident. The conventional explosives in two did go off that spread contamination, but not a full-on nuclear explosion. The third Hmm. was found in a riverbed. The fourth weapon could not be found. Despite an intensive search of the area, people thought that the parachute had deployed and the wind carried it out to sea. Hmm. The search for the fourth bomb was carried out by means of a new mathematical method called Bayesian search theory that involves dividing up the area into grid squares. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm not going to get into all the details, but it was a new technique, which Hmm. is kind of interesting. That's cool. A local fisherman popularly known as Bomb Paco or Bomb Frankie witnessed the bomb entering the water at a certain location. That's what they used to form the search. Mm Mm-hmm. The search continued for 80 days until it was located by the DSV Alvin on 17 March. So they found it, but then it was dropped and temporarily lost while the Navy attempted to bring it to the surface. (laughs) 
Oh, man. After the loss, it was fixed again by position locating equipment on 17 April. An unmanned torpedo recovery vessel became entangled in the weapon's parachute while attempting to attach a line to it. Oh, boy. Once the bomb was located, Dimo Ortis, a.k.a. Bomb Paco, appeared at the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York with his lawyer, claiming salvage rights on the recovered thermonuclear bomb. The Air Force settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. In later years, Simon Ortz was heard to complain that the Americans had promised him financial compensation, but had not kept their promise. Hmm. And that is just a few of the Broken Arrow stories. Wow. You can find more on Wikipedia if you're so inclined. <laughs> yeah, those are all really crazy. And I guess I just didn't realize how many times that a nuclear bomb has been lost or, you know, had something happen that brought us that close. Yes, Exactly. It just goes to show with those old planes flying around. I mean, military aircraft crashes are still fairly common. Mm-hmm. So maybe having nuclear weapons literally flying over our heads all the time wasn't right. such a good idea. Yeah, maybe not. Well, thank you for that, Zach. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for this Microdot episode. And don't forget to tune in next, next week when we have our very first documentary that we're covering, The Man Who Saved the World. Yes, that one is about a near nuclear war. So yeah. stay tuned for that. There you go. And as always, you can find us on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And we are The Spy Fi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jer Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.